Are you ready to turn your potential into performance? If so, you're in the right place. This is the Coach Brew Show, and here's your host, John Brubaker. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. I have a very special guest today that we're talking to. Uh, I am joined by Sarah Krim, who is the executive director of an organization called Jab Cares, which is the philanthropic arm of the Josh Abbott Band, who you will learn more about momentarily. And Sarah is a 2006 graduate of Texas Tech University, uh, Reckham, Sarah. And she, she got her master's in communication studies in 2012. Sarah, welcome, welcome. How are you? I'm great. How are you, Coach? Good awesome. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, a long time coming. We've been trying to schedule, reschedule, and make our calendars work. Uh, thanks for carving out time today. Sure, yeah. And it's a great day. I'm here in Dallas. It's like a rare, somewhat still cool day. So I think all the rescheduling has been worth it. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, you got a great view behind you. Tell us exactly where you are. It's kind of a neat concept. I am at uh, Watermark Church in Dallas, and this is their community center. So they uh, they open it up to the public. They've got a coffee shop and this huge kind of office setup uh, in the downstairs area. So that's they they do some good conversion of bringing people in and trying out the church that way and make it, you know, just feel like it's, it's, it's user friendly. So people don't feel so intimidated, maybe trying out the church on Sunday. You had me at coffee. <laughs> exactly. Awesome. <laughs> so uh, just kind of frame the conversation, everybody. The reason I wanted to bring Sarah on the program was besides the fact she's possibly the most hilarious person I've ever met is uh, also just the work that she's doing um, is, you know, it's unique because the Josh Abbott band is a, a independent Texas country band mm -hmm. and they've got a absolutely rabid fan base and following that's really nationwide and international. Um, and typically you see like uh, bands, organizations, companies create a private foundation and they just sort of throw money, um, you know, at a couple of causes that maybe they're fond of, you know, and I think everyone sort of has their favorite charities they like to donate to. Uh, like for me, mine are um, uh, cancer research and uh, literacy mm -hmm. for kids. Uh, but the Josh Abbott band does something a little different than most bands. And it, what it is, is uh, they've created a nonprofit really to help both help their fan base and also uh, enable their and empower their fan base to kind of pick and choose what charities are, are meaningful for them to want to get on board and all help together, uh, which I think is important. And, you know, if you've listened to my message for any length of time, you know, I'm a big believer in like, don't just paint the picture, you know, let your audience, whether, you know, you're a band, a company, a solopreneur, let your audience in and, and help paint the picture themselves. And I think that's a great example of what you guys are doing, Sarah. Could you talk to us just a little bit kind of about the genesis of uh, Jab Cares and how that's become a wonderful extension uh, of the band and the brand? Sure. So we actually, uh, probably about four years ago, we had just gotten on a label with Warner and we were pushing a new EP, five songs, really fun, really, uh, 
not necessarily just geared towards college, but a couple songs that were reminiscent of that. And so, um, the management team, this is actually before I worked for Josh, but the management team thought it would be really fun to engage students. And of course we've got a natural relationship with Texas tech. So, uh, we reached out to the Rawls college of business and asked them like, Hey, you know, let's work on something with you guys. Um, let's, you know, see what we can come up with. And so they basically gave us a a senior capstone marketing class that their, one of their senior projects was creating some type of a campaign that would create organic growth for this EP. And of course they had a lot of social media content and stuff with Greek organizations, but this one group of four college kids came up with Jab Cares, which was basically the base model of what we do And that was the band plugging in with different causes. So their original idea was it would be us plugging in with the uh, Greek and Panhellenic organizations and and then utilizing their philanthropic uh, causes that they they give away to. So um, they kicked it around, gave the idea. Josh loved it. And he kept saying, I really want to do this. Like, I really, I want this to be a thing. And and a lot of other people in, in the music have their own course their own charities their own organizations and so um i worked with the management team for about almost two years and then josh just said you know hey this it's time for us to do this and so he politely kind of motioned me over and told me like you're gonna do this now and this is gonna be your baby so um we started that process just roughly two years ago went through all of the paperwork and the minutia that goes into getting filed with a 501c3. We went through an awesome compliance company that walked us through everything. Yeah. And everything since that has been really organic. So um, we set it up because we wanted it to be about our fan base and their needs. What you were saying, you know, there's a lot of people that serve specific causes. Um, but we wanted if there was, you know, if we're only serving public, you know, doing public servants or, um, education or cancer. And we have a fan who has a disability, a physical disability, they need a wheelchair ramp built. We don't want to be limited and not able to give that money to them. So we set it up to where we can kind of give money to whoever we want to. And I think that has served in terms of our kind of our heartbeat and our base that's really served us the best. Absolutely. And it's kind of funny you mentioned the word heartbeat because when I look at your logo, Mm-hmm. What do we see? For those for those people who aren't aware of it, tell us about the logo. The logo is I'm trying to remember. Is it the guitar with heart compressed in it? I haven't yes. looked at it in a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and we wanted something that was uh, not that was we kicked around like just jab cares, but we're like it needs to be not too literal. But if someone jumps onto the jab care site that doesn't listen to the Josh Abbott band. Sure we want them to know we're affiliated with music. So um, we went with something pretty literal that speaks to who we are and kind of what we're trying to do. (laughs) And I'll I'll post an image of the logo with your permission. Sure. Um, Yeah. It's a guitar underneath the words jab cares. It has a heart in the center of it. Right in the middle of it. Yeah. When you mentioned the term heart centered approach, like Mm -hmm. that's immediately what I thought of like, that's the perfect logo. Yeah. Wow. So uh, I want to backtrack for a minute and just kind of connect the dots for everybody on how you got involved originally with Josh Abbott Band, but then also um, you had alluded to sort of how your role expanded with Jab Cares. Can you backtrack for us just sort of how you made the connection with Josh and the band originally? 
Yeah, I actually, Josh and I went to Texas Tech at the same time, and he was my waiter at Stella's, which is a, 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 a for college kids, it's a pretty upscale Italian food restaurant. So uh, me and some of my, my college roommates, uh, our youngest roommate turned 21, so we thought we'd go get a really high and cocktail. I think it was like a cranberry vodka. That's <laughs> high for college, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It ain't uh, Lone Star beer. <laughs> yeah, or, or well, 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 whatever, you know, yeah. so we went to Stella's and had dinner and Josh was our waiter and he, he just was, of course, like super charming, engaging. We all had a great time that night. And then him and I got to be friends in undergrad. And then he actually took a year off after school to work for a political campaign mm-hmm. and just decided it was not his bread and butter. So he decided to go back to grad school. And that was exactly when I graduated and we ended up in the same program together. So we taught together for about two years. We were TAs. Uh, we did a lot of speeches. And uh, since we were communications majors, we all talked about our beliefs, feelings, and thoughts a lot. So you get to know each other pretty well. So um, that's exactly when he was. He started playing at Blue Light, too. So that's cool. right when his career got kicked off. And yeah. we just kept in touch since then. And he called me one day and said, you're going to come work for me. And I thought he was joking, but <laughs> I've been with him for three and a half years. So. so what was your first role there? I was his, uh, the day-to-day manager. So I okay. worked directly on the management team, which uh, you handle, just like it says, you handle the day-to-day, uh, all the little details that come from the calendar, booking, uh, merch, all that kind of, the, the finite stuff um, that keeps them, you know, keeps, keeps them going on in just a, a smaller, more minuscule level. Sure. What, what I find really interesting about sort of where you started in your role with the band and your transition to where you are now mm-hmm. is in your your role, the day to day operations, the merch, you know, all kind of all your different touch points mm-hmm. with the band that really allowed you right away to get a real finger on the pulse of your customer mm-hmm. your audience, like what the typical Josh Abbott band audience member looks like walks like talks like where they like to hang out what else they listen to you know mm-hmm. just sort of the like demographics uh, psychographics if you will um and I, I think that probably prepared you very well for what you're doing right now C- could you uh, elaborate on that a little bit yeah those two intersections uh, have really helped one another yeah well i think a i'm i'm a target demo um i'm a tech grad i'm three years to the day younger than Josh. So we do have the same birth date, but I'm three years younger than him. So three years younger. Um, a lot of the vernacular he uses is the things he writes about are biographical for me. So, um, and he writes, he writes, you know, he's a man. So he writes a lot of songs, uh, for and about women. Um, so I'm, I'm a target demo. So, and I always loved his music and I listened to it. And then when I began working for the band, I was ingesting our social, you know, our social interactions every day. So I had to keep up with Josh's Twitter, um, look on, you know, how that was trending keep up with our Facebook, keep up with, um, our Instagram. Um, and so in a way I, I, I did get to know the personality, but outside of mine as the demographic and, and got to know our fan base a little bit better. Sure. Um, and I think people are very, you know, they're very open and honest on, on social media, maybe sometimes to a fault, but you really do kind of see common themes, common interest, um, and, and the, the different things that we've done that kind of tugged on their, their hearts that have resonated. You know, we did the, she will be free video. That was before I worked 
uh, for the guys, but we did a music video and Josh had just started learning a little bit about human trafficking and was really, really impacted by it and thought this is a, a good medium to open that conversation. And it really, really resonated with a lot of people because not that it was everyone's first introduction into, um, I guess the whole concept of human trafficking, but for some it, it was, I'm sure. Well, I think to, we put statistics and, 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 and put specific information on there that was uh, connected to the United States and within things going yeah. in our backyard. And I think people had watched Taken or uh, movies like Traffic and, and thought like, oh, it's happening outside to Americans outside of the sure. country. And so to read, for us to read the statistics and then to, you know, kind of parlay that onto our fan base. And it really did, they reacted the same way we did. Yeah. So I think a lot of it in terms of messaging and in terms of what effects or impacts are things that we feel are important. And then they also resonate with our fan base. It's the same way that our music transitions to them, you know? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Now, um, yeah, I I think it's interesting. You look at um, corporate citizenship with different organizations and uh, how they get involved in their own backyard, you know, um, you know, I'm a big fan of small business. I'm a solopreneur. I'm an author, speaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I like the mom and pop shops. It's where I like to hang out. Uh, but one organization that's a big kind of, quote, corporate entity that I think does a really nice job with it is Starbucks. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're global, but they act locally. And their individual stores are empowered to get involved with causes in the community, sponsor events, actually go out and, and give their employees release time to go out and get their hands dirty and, and pick up trash on the road, um, adopt a highway, whatever it is. Uh, and I think when you, you're able to do that and you're able to get involved in your community, that it deepens the relationship with your customers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know that my local Starbucks has actually sponsored fundraising events that I've conducted. So that's kind of why I share that example. But mm-hmm. I'd love to hear from you how uh, Jab Cares and creating this charitable arm of the brand has deepened your existing, your relationship with existing fans and just maybe a, a success story or two. Mm-hmm. Tug at my heartstrings and everyone who's <laughs> listening, please. I think the, for me, I think the thing that I've most been proud of is, is A, um, we have people that are, that have become fans of the Josh Abbott band, maybe that don't listen to country music, but now mm-hmm. they, now they respect and they support the band just because of we've, we've helped their organization. Sure. Um, we, we worked with this amazing man. Um, ben Rogers is a local, he's a local sports, uh, DJ, DJ, or is it sports, sports broadcaster, a talk show host or there it is. Yeah. yeah. So he had an organization, uh, he worked with an organization in his community, uh, called win the day. And this really awesome man, Bruce started win the day for kids in his area, uh, just building confidence through athletics and he actually was diagnosed with cancer. So we came in and helped do this benefit for, for Bruce and, and, and helped them use, we allowed them to use our 501c3 and, and, and gave the donations back 100%. But we saw a lot of support come in through that community just for sure. us, just for us giving that, that small show of support to Bruce and his cause. And so, and created this awesome relationship with this community. Um, they're out in Salina, which is Mm -hmm. just North of Dallas, but, um, that's just a side effect. Like it's, we're not, we're not doing it to build 
that fan base, but it is a really awesome side effect um, that comes along with just trying to help people. And then I think Harvey is probably by far the most, um, that's the most I've been impressed with just Josh and his, um, his desire to go help people. He, um, he, before we even got organized, I think it was on Saturday before Harvey hit, he texted and was like, what are we going to do? How are we going to help people? Can I wow. go down? What can I do? Yeah. And, and my, my uh, mom's boyfriend actually works with the National Guard. So he was actually okay. down outside of Rockport and was like, we're not going to know until it hits. And then we won't know where the eye hits. And, you know, there's all these, these factors. And so I told Josh, hey, these, these men that are working the disaster relief, they've been eating, um, is it MR, is it MRE? What, MREs, yeah. Yeah they've been eating MREs for, they were already on their fourth or fifth day. And that's all they have wow. for, for the whole time they're down there are these, and they're not even, not that there's good MREs. <laughs> these are like yeah. old, old, old. So, uh, Josh and his, his, his guys at max were like, let's go feed these guys and take care of them and figure out a way to get down there. And I was like, no, you need to coordinate with somebody. It's a federal disaster zone. And Josh was on the phone he made every connection he could with kind of on the, the state level, you know, talking to people that were with the Texas Rangers and was like, I can get in, I'll find a way, like we're going down there. So, um, that was just, on, you know, on his own volition, he just wanted to help people. What's, and- what's pretty amazing about that, uh, beyond, you know, the generosity is mm-hmm. I don't think, I, I don't think the average, uh, Joe average Jane has any idea the tour schedule. Mm-hmm. A musician, much less a country band who it seems like country artists are like perpetually on tour. They tour year round yeah. and to be able to carve out time like that. That's that just that speaks volumes. Yeah, they so Texas country tours pretty much every weekend. Yeah. It's uh, you know, when you're when you're on a large national act, you go and you do two months straight through and you go all around the country. Um, we road dog like every weekend. Um, and, you know, we get we get. A, a good amount off to, to, <laughs> to spend time with family and stuff, probably at least anywhere, anywhere from like six weeks or so, six weekends off mm-hmm. essentially. Um, it influxes depending on, depending on the year or whatever. But, um, yeah, that was, that was a Saturday. They were on the road Friday and Saturday. And then Josh was driving down there, I think on Sunday, well, Sunday afternoon or Sunday yeah. evening because it, uh, it had hit by Sunday and then they had to coordinate and go down early that week. So he slept in his car for three, two or three nights and then came back up and he like, he loves to sleep in his car. It's the weirdest thing. I mean, he loves a nice hotel, but he's like, I'll just sleep in my truck. And I was like, this is, it's, it's dangerous. And that's another thing about working in, working in a, a a zone like that. And and we've learned even from trying to give money to it, it, it's a federal disaster zone and there's a lot of violence. It's, um, people can loot depending on if it's not been contained properly. So, um, it's a scary place to be. Um, but people absolutely need boots on the ground there. So, you know, we were happy to be able to do that. You had mentioned, um, you know, touring, um, -hmm. you know, the band being a a Texas band, the the travel schedule is more significant. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and one of the things you see with touring is you see, a lot of merch sales mm-hmm. and I sort of like, okay, some people collect different things and people are aficionados of different 
things. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I like two things. I like cowboy boots and t-shirts. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to talk about cowboy boots and t-shirts, Sarah. <laughs> okay, the first well, thing I wanted to ask you about was like just the merch side of things, because I know you did a t-shirt fundraiser mm-hmm. for Harvey, uh, mm-hmm. or was it for Dallas or both? I've done both. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So like, I, I just, I love t-shirts and, you know, typically bands sell merch to sell merch and that's a, a profit center, a revenue stream, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. for a lot of brands, but you, you guys actually do it for philanthropic purpose purposes too. Can you mm-hmm. talk to us a little bit about kind of the genesis of that and, you know, what's the, what that has done from an awareness standpoint is it's literally people buy a shirt and they're a walking billboard mm-hmm. for a cause that they're passionate about. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's pretty, you pretty much cover all the bases on that. So there's, there's a lot of really great organizations that we've, we haven't exactly stylized identical to what they do, but, uh, we have seen other organizations that do really well and they bring, they bring branding and awareness and income through that. And so we, I knew based off of just my time working in merch and I love merch. I love designing it. I love slinging it. I, mm-hmm. I would still go on the road and sell it. Yeah. <laughs> Like if our, if our merch guy had a weekend off, they could, they could call on me to go do it this weekend. I don't know why I just love it. Um, so, and that's another great way to engage with, with our, our fan base. Honestly, if you want to, if you want to meet your fan base, like the merch table is prime. So, um, I, I, we, it's a great revenue stream and it's a direct revenue stream and it is, it is easy marketing and it is easy. It's a low overhead, you know, a shirt can cost us anywhere from, five to like 11, $11 is like top of the line. Um, and then we have that full margin to kind of play around with. And then of course, um, of course, you know, we, we use it again to brand something for job cares. And so it's fun to also work with other brands and other, we, I've worked with like tumbleweed textiles. We built that, uh, Dallas love shirt and then we mm-hmm. get some, some cross promotion for them as well. So, you know, um, I think, cross-promoting with merch is a great thing for you to do as well. And there have been a lot of companies we've gotten where we've done like mini collaborations with them. Awesome. And, and we do, that allows them, them, some of our audience share and we get, you know, some of their audience share. And it's great for the entrepreneur who maybe has a smaller audience. Uh, you know, you can cross promote and literally kind of borrow someone else's audience uh, temporarily to grow your own and vice versa. And I think a lot of people are kind of leaving that opportunity. I don't mean leaving it on the table from a revenue standpoint, just from a, a visibility and a promotional standpoint, they're not leveraging that enough. So that's a, that's a great lesson for people. Thank you, Sarah. Mm-hmm. So let's uh, talk about cowboy boots. Yes. You're doing a very cool promotion with a boot company mm-hmm. uh, and jab cares. Mm-hmm. I am partial to Anderson bean cowboy yeah. boot. Those yeah. are my, those are my people, yeah. Ryan Vaughn and the good folks there. But tell me about this cool promotion that you guys are doing and how that kind of came to be. Yeah. So black star boots, I actually work, I do outside consulting with, with a couple of different companies. And so one of my best friends from college, he took on black stars branding and they were just kind of, they were asking me questions about connecting with who would normally be our fan base for jab cares. And so we kind of 
kicked it around and, and the, uh, the girl down in Texas thing management actually approached me and said, that was, that was their idea where they said, we want to work with philanthropies and sororities. Um, and we want to create some sort of, you know, engagement with them and, and use that relationship and, and, you know, of course push the single, but it's a, it's an easy, fun way to engage people and, and to get access to their socials and, to get a little bit more presence with that. And so we wanted, we had to have the right fit from a brand perspective and Blackstar, I was working with them. I'm one of their ambassadors. So we just got started in the ambassador program. So, um, I got to try the boots on and, and look at the styles and stuff. And they really are like, I'm not, I'm not just selling it because <laughs> it's a podcast. I've worn, I have worn boots my entire life. They're the most cool. uncomfortable, they're most, the most comfortable pair I've ever had. So, um, and a good pair of boots, just so if you're listening and you don't own boots, you should. Yeah. Uh, a good pair of boots are more comfortable than, like, picture your most comfortable sneakers. Good pair of boots, way more comfortable. Yeah, well, my dad my dad is a lifetime cowboy boot wearer. He's from South Texas, and, you know, he rode. <laughs> For those of you who don't um, live in Texas, you're going to think this sounds so stereotypical, but <laughs> my dad rode bulls. Uh, recreationally for about two and a half years and he worked ranches and was a hunter. And so he wore boots. That was his like off duty shoe. Yeah. Um, and when I, and I kind of got turned out on them in high school cause I thought country wasn't cool. And then in college he bought me a pair. Uh, and I told him I was, I was just surprised how comfortable they are. And he's like, sir, this is what ranchers wear every day. Yeah. Like they wouldn't be walking around on hard ground if this was bad for their shoes and their back, he's like, they have to be comfortable. They're, they're not just stylish. They're functional. So, um, yeah, boots are actually very functional for those of you who don't, they're not just a fashion statement and good boots should be comfortable. (laughs) You shouldn't have to wear them 40 times before you break them. Yeah. So black star boots and jab cares. What exactly are you doing together? Mm-hmm. So my, we, before you answer, I ask this because I love examples mm-hmm. because personally, I believe your best ideas, whatever business or industry you're in, your best ideas are going to come from outside your industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I look at what musicians do, particularly country artists who have the most direct fan to artist connection. I look at what they do as you really the ultimate entrepreneurs and your ability to kind of cross promote and uh, expand your brand through your fans is tremendous. So I asked for these examples because I think people are going to really kind of get inspiration from it. Mm -hmm. Um, One thing I've learned is that cross branding is really effective and then bartering, which is a dirty word, I think in our culture, but I have learned for myself as the director of job cares, I have like a, a, a bunch of different assets that I have handy to me. Um, bartering and like being able to trade, trade your businesses off to use each other for either business services or your socials. Like those are, those are things that I think have kind of become, they, they just haven't been talked about in the mainstream, but I try to kind of barter my services as much as I can with other organizations, um, so that we can utilize their services as well. So, um, like we're I'm, we're, I'm working with the Bowen foundation this weekend and I'm running their auction for them. And so in turn, they're just going to, they're going to make a small donation back to job cares instead of paying someone to run that auction. So they can off, offload it to somebody yeah. who knows what they're doing. Um, they know I'm going to handle it with care and that I'll take care of, you know, Wade's family. Um, and instead of just paying a random person or, you know, figuring out, um, 
figuring out a stranger to sure. come run it or paying the the auction company, you know, even more money, they'll just we're, we'll just give money back to job care. So um everybody that, wins. Yeah, really, yeah. Everyone wins in that deal. Yeah, yeah. If so you're just hiring someone out, the ultimate winner is whoever you hired. Yeah. Uh, you can barter and create like create a synergy, everybody mm-hmm. wins. That's great. Yeah. And that's where I think that's where my brain works really well is trying to, uh, and that's why keeping a really good solid network is important because you can, you can always call on people, um, to use their services. And I think another thing is to not be afraid to do stuff for free from time to time, not because I think you want to manipulate people or use that, but I think every now and then I'll, I'll, I'll help people with an event or with their marketing or with their branding or something just because, um, you know, i a, it's, it's good for our brand as job cares for me to be, you know, assisting other people and to show that, that, you know, that we, we have concern for other, other organizations outside of ours, but B, it creates a really good partnership with people who know that, you know, that they can depend on you and that, you know, you can, you can utilize them as well. So, um, and that's, that's something I've, I've kind of, that's a niche I found for myself in this organization. So two things real quick. Uh, mm-hmm. Are you going to be doing the auction next year for the Bowen Foundation? Uh, I might. I'm not sure. We yes. have we have ours as well. I'd, um, well I'd, either way, for both of you, I'd like to contribute something, you know, in terms cool. of an auction item. So Thanks. let's talk offline afterwards okay. about that. Yeah. And I want to hear more about this Black Star cross promotion, how you yes. executed that. So Black Star essentially they, they under were the underwriter for the event. And so, um, it, the, the big trade was that they wanted to have access to that audience. You know, they sell women's boots. And so they're like, you're our, our fan bases or our, our customer bases who we want your fan base. And so, um, we just, it's promoted as the black star girls down in Texas, promotion and so, so they got the naming rights mm-hmm. cool. yeah and so on the back end we've already kind of decided the winner on that on the back end we're we're figuring out ways to create like face-to-face interaction with the boots engagement um because boots are actually a little hard to sell online um yeah. especially on a, on a new product or a new brand it's it's hard to make that conversion because you're like they look stylish they feel comfortable but those are all there are things that you have to see and touch and try in mm-hmm. person. So um, now the next step is like, okay, well, how do we get these girls physically in front of these boots um, and figure that out? So the the winner of our of our contest, we we did private concerts in their sorority houses, and then they got they got a donation back to their uh, philanthropy through their sorority. Um, so. It, and then we were allowed to, you know, they they pushed and promoted the 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 contest was that the girls had to push and promote and make their own video, uh, using jab cares and using, um, girl down in Texas. And so that gave access to everyone to these college socials, which are huge. So um, you're almost, you're almost even crowdsourcing social media for the promotion too. Yeah. Which is kind of, to me, that's the genius of that. Well, yeah. yeah. And I always, I always tell people, cause I, I dabble a little bit in online marketing and people are always like, you gotta, you gotta buy, you know, let's, promote this let's push it and I'm like it's great but that but um, impression is one impression so that means that one person looked at that ad if you can get people to share average person has I don't know what I'm gonna assume like five at least 500 friends on Facebook you get someone to share something or like something or tag in that's that number times 500 
So, um, you know, us putting a video out where it's 200 girls in a sorority and they're pushing and promoting through their socials. Those girls have thousands of friends, like the yeah, number so 200 times a thousand folks. You do the math, right? Yeah. 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 So, well, it's just crazy how many built in yeah. followers people have around that age now. Like my, my age bracket, we're like, Oh, if we're up to a thousand, we're doing really good. And a lot of college girls are at like 6,000. So yeah. <laughs> my age bracket, it's kind of like too old for Snapchat, too young for life alert. Yeah. So, <laughs> I, think, um, I think I'm too, I, I did Snapchat for a while and I was like, Oh, it's just another thing to keep up with. It's yeah, a lot. It's crazy. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, it's just so much and so fragmented. So you're smart to be able to kind of, you know, deploy large numbers and crowdsource that. Mm -hmm. uh, folks, if you weren't paying close enough, you should have gotten three ideas in the last five minutes. If you weren't paying close enough attention, write this down now. Number one, cross promotions. Number two, barter, barter, barter. And number three, create a contest. People love contests. People love the opportunity to win, share, you know, whether it's uh, swag or access, you know, to uh, uh, an organization or a venue. People love contests. You know, gamification is at the core of social media today. And, you know, you all ought to be harnessing those three things for your brand. And you can thank Sarah for those ideas right now. So, um, Sarah, tell me a little bit about just sort of how, um, I think it's important, you know, for people to understand like you know, with jab cares, this is all being done organically. And I think mm -hmm. oftentimes, um, you know, when people think of charities and think of the quote, you know, air quotes, 501 C3, think of these big kind of, uh, corporate entities. And, and this is really the furthest thing from it. Mm -hmm. And you're not funneling money to, you know, some large corporate charities talk about just sort of the organic altruistic nature of exactly what you guys are doing. Mm -hmm. So our, I think our biggest thing is, and I, I, we talked about this offline, but our biggest thing is we, when I started doing the research and building, whether we were going to be public charity, private foundation, um, we looked at what percentage goes back or the minimum percentage that goes back to the recipients and the causes. And for a private foundation, it's only, you only have to contribute 5% of your take in, which is absurd. Like that means you can just keep, you can just keep and spend 95%, like, 95% of your nonprofit you can profit off of. I think that's why people, uh, there's kind of inherent distrust by mm -hmm. consumers with anything. Mm -hmm. But when you think of charities, when 95% can be capped, that really doesn't engender a whole lot of trust. Yeah. And a public, so a public charity, a larger one, you know, that you guys are probably more familiar with. And, you know, we won't, I won't um, splice anyone by throwing their name out there. Sure. Public charities have a little bit of a higher percentage but it's still nowhere near like you would think that it's 50% minimum that needs to go back to the cause. And it's nowhere near that. It's, I mean, it's double digits, but it's the low, low, low double digits. And that was something someone I know who's, uh, who's really big into finances approached me. And he was like, Oh, you know, you only have to give back this 12.5 or 15%. I can't remember. And I haven't. So if anyone's going to fact check that, I haven't fact checked that in a while, but he was like, it's a really small range. So you see a lot yeah. of these these organizations and endowments that are affiliated with families or with businesses, and you're like, oh, they give away all this money. And some of them do. Some of them genuinely give that money back True. to specific causes. They build 
um, research institutions and they, they do give a huge percentage of that money, but other places they keep a lot of it or they use it for large overhead. They use it for marketing. They use it for promotion. Um, and they, they kind of throw a small percentage back. So we in no way want to be making money off of our nonprofit. Um, that's not in all the, the priority, um, it's not what we do. So, I mean, there's a full, there's a full band set up that, that runs very well and they, they are, you know, thriving and making a living and everybody is, 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 can, can eat at night and <laughs> sure. there's, there's electricity and, and cars in the driveway and all kinds of stuff. So, um, there's no drive to be making profit off of our nonprofit. And so we would love to be in the smallest potential over margin of overhead expenses and be giving away, you know, instead of, instead of taking 5%, giving away 5%, we'd love to be subsiding off of 5% in overhead. Sure. Um, we have to build a good donor base um, outside of just the band and, and outside of just, you know, ticket sales or merch. And so that's where our next steps are, is figuring out different streams of revenue for us just outside of directly coming in from the band. But we would love to be operating at the smallest amount of expenses yeah. possible. So we can just keep giving money and we would like to be giving money directly to people instead of causes. Cause we've, you know, we've given a certain large organizations and we have no idea where that money ends up. You know, yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting the way you've done what you've done. It sort of has two, it seems to me a two pronged approach. Number one is you're able to help people who have immediate pressing needs and need the help. Mm-hmm. And number two, uh, you had mentioned it a little earlier in the interview, is that um, there are some causes that aren't able to create their own 501c3 because, mm-hmm. it, A, that costs money. B, mm-hmm. it's time-consuming and complicated. Mm-hmm. C, I'm doing the guns up sign for Texas <laughs> Tech with my hand right now, I just realized. Nice. So yeah. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but C is it's... Yeah, I think it's costly, time consuming, and some people just don't have the resources. So mm-hmm. you're actually able to um, raise money. They can raise money through Jab Cares, mm-hmm. and you funnel 100% of that back. You know, how often has that happened? We did three to four pretty big ones last year. Um, and you're, you're actually able to like from a nonprofit and I check this with my compliance person. So if someone out there is, is saying this is unethical, you can hold a percentage back. If you're, yeah. if you are allowing your, your 501c3 as a silo. Now I don't feel comfortable doing that unless I'm actually planning an event with them and yeah. helping, helping them like with the fundraising and bringing donor money sure. in and kind of forecasting the event just because it's not, I'm not comfortable with it now. Yeah. Now there's a lot of work involved with it. And so I would not say that's a business model. Like you couldn't build no. a nonprofit off of that because the issuing on tax receipts is a nightmare. So if you're, if you're working with an event that's going to be bringing in a hundred thousand dollars, you're going to be issuing a hundred thousand dollars on tax receipts. And that is a lot of work. So what's uh, nice about that, Sarah, though, is like, so let's say someone doesn't have a nonprofit and they want to create a GoFundMe or some mm-hmm. other sort of crowdfunding initiative for chair, like for their charitable cause or need mm-hmm. that, uh, like in the case of GoFundMe, that one line kind of pass through, they're going to take a, a pound of flesh, so to speak. They're going to take what, 10, 15%, some yeah. cases more. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, for a, a smaller kind of charitable, you know, charity drive, that's a big 
chunk for people. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you're, you're enabling them to not lose out on potential money. Yeah. Well, and then the, it's still a percentage of that event that event is still going towards a nonprofit, you know, cause the money goes to us. We're a 501 C3. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's still going to a good cause. It's just, you're, you're changing, you know, it's six in one hand, half a dozen in the other. You're just changing where that money is going to, you know? Um, and I had this conversation with someone I know, um, with event planning, cause I've done event planning off and on for 10 years. And so I was talking to them about, helping with nonprofit event planning. And I'm like, you're going to have to pay. If you bring in an outside resource, you're going to have to pay 15, 20% of your, of your take home to an individual or to a company. And so I'm like, I would, I would rather give that money to another charity. Um, and I, I think that that's a, that's a sustainable business model, honestly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and for all the right reasons too. I think intent is such a big part of all of this, mm-hmm. you know, uh, just kind of measuring people's intent and goodwill. Uh, what has creating this nonprofit and, you know, painting your, your fans into the picture, letting them help paint the picture in terms of what they want to support. Um, and what has that done just kind of from a, uh, like a social equity standpoint for you mm-hmm. and, and the band as, as an organization, I think it, it really differentiates you from many others who do what you guys do. Yeah. I think it's kind of a, a it's twofold. So um, I would answer that in layers. Uh, I think on one hand, it it is, it is great that people equate us with wanting to be um, kind of humanitarians and, and mm-hmm. helping people. But there's the other side where we feel like we can't help everyone. And, and, sure. and I, I hate that limitation of feeling like, you know, there's this family, that, there's a family that'll reach out and they have a funeral service they can't afford or a family that reaches out and, and needs, you know, money for cancer treatment. And, and so there's such a vast, vast need just within our fan base, you know, when we have in, in the scope of the world we have a great, a great set of fans and a good number, but like when you think in terms of, you know, the impact, the social impact it has on it, we just feel like we're just, it's just a drop in the bucket sometimes, you know, sure. where it's like, especially around the holidays where all these causes come up and, and you just want to give money to everybody. Um, so we have to prioritize that in a way. Um, and sometimes it's just the time that someone reaches out to us and we're like, you know, yeah, perfect. We've got, we've got the finances, we've got, um, you know, nothing on the horizon that's about to chip away a huge chunk of time or money. And so, mm-hmm. um, or, you know, we're not allocating this to a certain amount or a certain cause. And so we can give you blank amount of money and that'll cover your need versus like, sometimes there's a, a GoFundMe and I'm like, I can only throw in $200 for this, yeah. you know? So, um, you kind of have to allow yourself to take little wins where you can and not get so overwhelmed with feeling like you're not changing the entire world sure. <laughs> every day. Yeah. I think the, um, the technical term for that, that I, I learned is it's called the empathy telescope, mm-hmm. which is kind of an interesting thing. Mm-hmm. And so if you ever watch the, uh, Sarah McLaughlin, uh, ASPCA commercials, Yikes. And the, oh, <laughs> like that those commercials you went dark on that (laughs) but here's my point and this should be reassuring for you and everyone listening is they're very intentional about how they they uh 
the visuals, the optics mm-hmm. of it. They always show you one dog. Yeah. It, it's got like three legs and it looks sad and it's in a cage. It's shaking. And, and then they'll they'll split the camera over to another kennel that has the little shaking, trembling little dog. But it's never like a you know a full kennel of all these hundreds of dogs mm-hmm. one at a time mm-hmm. because we feel like if we see you know like so there's an entire you know country of starving children in Africa and this is another commercial you know mm-hmm. I think it's feed the world or whatever it is uh, they always show you one child at a time because mm-hmm. we don't feel like we can make a difference we can't I can't you know out of pocket feed an entire village. But I can, for the cost of a cup of coffee, feed a child three meals a day. Sure. Or I can help one animal by rescuing one pet. Mm-hmm. And so as you're looking at Jab Cares and people who uh, are, are listening and helping serve their community, if you feel like you don't make a difference because it's, you know, there's 7.6 billion people on planet Earth, mm-hmm. just kind of remember that empathy telescope because we all really do make a difference in our little corner of the world. So I think that's the beauty of what you're doing is yeah. uh, it's the giving a time, energy, and also resources. Uh, what, uh, what would you recommend? I love to answer. I love to ask the question. And I think this is the million dollar question for anybody. What do you know now that you wish you knew when you got started with jab cares? And I ask that because I think people are looking for next steps or how they mm-hmm. can get started uh, what would you recommend people avoid? Like, what do you know now that you wish you'd have known back then? I know back then is only two years ago, but there's a learning. Yeah, part. yeah, yeah. No, it, you, in terms of a startup of a new business, two years feels like a decade. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's like I, dog years. It's like 14. Oh, have right mercy. Here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, and especially with something like this, that's kind of an un, uncharted water. And grew from grew from no framework of like our previous business model, but sure. um, I actually had this conversation with someone I knew who's running a who's running a a different completely different business model. But I told her, you know, your first year is probably going to be your hardest year of business in anything you do. Um, there's some people that like they just they strike it and they that first sure. year goes and it's seamless, but. I think if you brace yourself and expect on the front end, like this is going to be the hardest I've ever worked doing something. Um, And expect to put in the work, um, expect criticism, expect pushback. Um, And if you, if your vision you feel like is more important than any of that, that negative pushback you're feeling or resistance, then you have to do it. You just have to go for it. Um, Another thing I think people... And that's why it'll work if your vision is bigger than the negativity. Yeah. And yeah. I think I think another thing I've learned working outside of a corporate model, and this is not necessarily a misconception I had, but it's something I like, I would, I would put a precedent on other people like working for yourself or working for a nonprofit is not going to be less work. So if you're working for the man right now and you think, I just want to run my own company so I can go play golf. And so I can keep my own hours. And so I can work 20 hours a week, like then don't work for yourself unless, (laughs) unless you're seven, eight years vetted in what you do, or you're following someone else's business model, like you're going to be putting in more hours than anyone puts in. You're going to be working harder than other people are working because you're doing something other people aren't doing and you're trying to create something that's not already there. So when you're creating something from thin air, you have to, you have to really just pull yourself up for your bootstraps on it. Um, 
and you have to push through. Like that's, it, it can't be, you can't have like 10 days in a row feeling sorry for yourself or letting yeah. yourself get kicked down. It's like, you have to like, it's no move on, pivot, go to a yes, keep going till you find yeses. And that's, that's anything we've done in terms of, um, working with our tournament or, or building like building silos of different types of income. It's like, I, you know, you kind of, you have to, it's like a, like a jackrabbit, you know, you hit a no and you turn, yeah. it'll like bounce around like this. So you, you have to stay flexible. And, um, I think the big, the most important thing my dad always told me was it's important to have goals, but, and stick with your goals, but be flexible on your plans. Um, so I think a lot of times we, we organize in our mind, like I want blank to happen and I want it to happen this way. Um, and I don't think the means are as important as the ends a lot of times. So set your goals and, and be flexible by the means with which you get to them and allow yourself a little bit of time, you know, away from that goal instead of, you know, if you don't hit your cash mark in three years, it's okay. You'll hit your cash mark. eventually. Sure. You know. Well, I, I think you touched on something very important and it's that, you know, the first year is always the toughest year in anything. Mm-hmm. And if you hit one out of the park in your first year, you're, probably a unicorn you know that yeah. does that's not normal it doesn't happen yeah and you actually ought to be very nervous about that because you caught lightning in a bottle early mm-hmm. and you should not expect that to happen in year two year three year four mm-hmm. uh, so be very careful about that I, I love your comment of no move on pivot get to yes and mm-hmm. that's a uh, uh, great advice for everyone mm-hmm. uh, if you had to um you know someone is listening to this and they want to either uh, deepen their commitment to, you know, whether it's a nonprofit or a foundation they've started, or perhaps they want to start their own. Uh, mm-hmm. What do you think is a good first step for somebody who's listening? I think nonprofit is the same thing as, as an effective business model where you think, what is something I care about that's either not being done or could be done better. And I think that's where a lot of people come up, inventors come up with these great inventions that are, you know, uh, I I forgot the movie joy was based off of a, it's a real story of a woman who was a housewife who was like, this mop is terrible. So she made a mop that, that works and that, you know, a woman who actually mopped would use. And so that's what makes a good inventor, what makes a good business model and what makes a good nonprofit is, here's an area that's unserviced that is important to me and it tugs on my heartstrings. So it's going to tug on your heart, someone else's heartstrings. And it's the same way where Josh writes a song that is autobiographical and it's reflective of how he feels Mm -hmm. people hear it and they're, they, they have that empathy and they directly, it resonates with them directly and nonprofit is the exact same way. It's, it's, it matters to you. It's going to matter to somebody else, you know? Absolutely. I think that, uh, you know, we, we like tends to be attracted to like, you know, mm-hmm. we like people who sort of remind us of ourselves in many ways, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's, you know, mutual interest or appearance or whatever it is. Um, so you ought to be doing it for yourself. There, there should be uh, an autobiographical quality, whatever you're doing, because that's kind of what sustains you through the adversity is mm-hmm. you care about it and something you're passionate about. You know, I've gotten involved in charitable endeavors that I wasn't passionate about, and it became a slog. Mm-hmm. It became work. It didn't fuel me or energize me. So mm-hmm. that's great advice, Sarah. What um, What's the worst piece of advice you ever got? And, you know, how did you excel by kind of like going in the opposite direction of mm-hmm. horrible advice you got? 
Um, oh gosh, that's hard. To, did you want it to just be in terms of the music, it, music or nonprofit, or just in general? Really, in anything, because I think we can. You know, there's so much we can learn from people. I'm just yeah. fascinated by you. Uh, <laughs> and I asked that question because, like, everyone always asks, "What's your favorite quote? What's the best piece of advice you ever got?" Right. Like, I'm a big believer right. in whatever's you know everybody else is doing. Do the exact opposite. And I think we learn more from our failures and we learn more from sure. bad teachers or bad coaches or bad bosses mm-hmm. than we really ever learn from the good ones. So what's the worst piece of advice you've gotten on anything and how have you kind of taken that opposite approach with it? I think I've learned I'm a person that, um, and I used to not feel this way, but the older I get, the more someone tells me I can't do blank because of blank. Um, or because this is the industry and the industry is blank and yeah. the, this is our fan base and our fan base is this. Like, I have learned that breaking those barriers and opening those boxes is really where the most effective pieces come through. Yep. Um, you know, I think people would tell Josh, like, people don't want to hear you talk about human trafficking. They want to hear songs about beer and women and trucks and blah, blah, blah. And Josh would tell you, I don't think that's true at all. I think people want to hear social things that are socially conscious that is, is happening around their world and impacts them. And that is, is going to make them aware of the world that they're living in. So, um, I just, from working in different industries, I have learned oftentimes those are limitations that other people accepted from other people around them. And I've just kind of outside of breaking rules and laws, like I've just learned to ignore them and to rebuff them and to challenge them. And to, if people don't want to work, they want, they don't want to work with me because I'm not working within their own parameters. Then I just pick up my toys and I go elsewhere. Um, because I know a lot of people that, that don't do things because people have told them it won't work. Um, and I just think that that's a really antiquated way of thinking, you know, Absolutely. And the music industry is a great example of that. There's like a very definitive box in terms of what, you know, kind of mainstream or traditional record label Mm -hmm. thinks is commercial appeal. Yes. And if you don't fit in it, you're not going to be a part of their world very long or any longer. And Mm -hmm. I I just think that's short-sighted because if you don't, like what I have always said back as a coach and now as an executive coach, like if you don't have a higher purpose than winning, Mm-hmm. you're never going to really win, like mm-hmm. truly win. So you really kind of spoke to that higher purpose and, mm-hmm. you know, being willing to blaze your own trail, which mm-hmm. I think is so important. Um, Sarah, I could talk to you all day. So <laughs> what I'd love to do is I'd love to schedule a part two at, at, at some point. Uh, but in the meanwhile, what would be the best place for people to, to connect with Jab Cares and reach out to you directly? Mm-hmm. Uh, probably our Facebook page. And it's just, it's just capital J, capital A, capital B cares. Um, and we, sometimes our, our Josh Abbott band Facebook page will, will share in between. Um, but that's where our fans engage the most. We have our biggest followership and, and you know, it's just more format friendly than some I'm on, I, we're on Instagram and all the other things, but I, sure. I tend to think the content sharing and the, um, our interaction is best on Facebook. So that's where it's in people. Thank you. And you, you should all absolutely go to jab cares, Facebook page, buy yourself a really nice t-shirt. And, um, if you're a lady, you could, or if you're shopping for a lady, you could get yourself a pair of black star boots. Mm-hmm. 
Yes, they are very, I'm not overselling how comfortable these are. I believe you. Yeah, they're, so. a, they're, a first, it's like the, have you, I think it's Bic crystal pin where it says writes first time every time. And that's like a black star boot. Like you can walk in it for days the first time you wear it. So, and cool. women, women know that's important. Oh, that yeah. Is, that is a unicorn of a, of a shoe right there. Absolutely. Sarah, thank you so much. I can't wait to, uh, you know, follow up the conversation and schedule part two with you. And again, I really appreciate your time. I know this was uh, a while in the works mm-hmm. and uh, it's really been great chatting with you. Yeah, you too. Yeah, I look forward to talking to you again soon. So thank you. Thanks for listening to The Coach Brew Show. If you're not currently subscribed to the podcast, sign up now on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. And for more information to turn your potential into performance, head on over to coachbrew.com now.